0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Tea Party Podcast. It's the podcast where you find new friends and new music. This week I am joined by a New Hampshire native who's been called an artist to watch by Rolling Stone and Pandora. He's made his mark as runner-up on The Voice and now he's here to share his journey with all of you. Please welcome to the show Mr. Adam Wakefield. Adam, how the heck are you, friend?
1: Life's good, man. Life's good. It's hot here in Tennessee, but uh, you know, it's uh, good good weather to stay inside and play music and video games. So it's
0: all good. that's, That's a very good point. That is good weather to, uh, to hang out inside. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to get to, uh, to get to know you and we'll tee off with Adam next.
2: What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission at us customs and border protection. We go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore air to ground Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's time to tee off with Ty. Here comes the
1: first four.
0: Okay, Adam, here we go. Question number one. Would you rather be the funniest or the smartest person in a room and why?
1: Hmm, it's a good one, huh?
0: These will um, make, they'll make you think a little bit.
1: Uh, well, I mean, inevitably the smartest person would be better, you know, I would think, you know, I mean, if you're trying to uh, control the things around you, I mean, being funny is a good time, I guess, but you could, there's lots of different kinds of being funny. I mean, you could be the funniest person in the room because everybody's making funny and laughing at you.
0: Oh, that's a good point.
1: So, so I think, uh, it, never would it be bad to be the smartest person in the room. So okay, that that's
0: fair, and I honestly, if
1: you're, honestly, if you're if you're that smart, you should be funny too. You know, smart people are generally funny, and at least I've found in my, you know, travels.
0: <laughs> it, we're, we're one question in. You've already broke the whole thing, Adam. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about this question number two? If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be?
1: Probably mac and cheese and hot dogs. I think.
0: Okay. Okay. Are you? Is there a specific type of mac and cheese or specific type of hot dog? No,
1: yeah. not really, man. Well, just the cheap mac and cheese and you know whatever regular old pork, beef, you know armadillo, whatever's in the in the hot dogs <laughs> nowadays. You know, I don't care. It's all good. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's just been my it's been my staple. You know, I'll I'll have two dollars in my, my bank account or I'll have twenty thousand in there. Who am I kidding? I've never had 20000 in there, but, you know, <laughs> 2000 And uh, you know, I'm, I'm always down for some mac and cheese and hot dogs, so and don't get me wrong. I like expensive food and going out to dinner and wasting money on steak and stuff, but I don't know, man. I mean, you just can't. You There's can't something
0: about the mac other. and cheese and hot dogs. They're just I, it's, I don't know.
1: My dad used to eat it when I was growing up, and he was addicted to it, too. I don't know. Just something about cutting those little hot dogs up and putting them in the mac and cheese. It's, it's like... I don't know. Salty and saltier. Maybe I don't know. That's maybe. Yeah. That no, yeah. I'm,
0: I'm here for it and hungry now.
1: Good. Yeah. Now I kind of <laughs> want some. Thanks. Right.
0: Man. <laughs> okay. Question number three. What, uh, what fictional character from a TV show or movie or a book would you bring to life with and hang out with for a day?
1: Um, man, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of a less nerdy one because I I read a lot of fantasy and sci fi. So I'm trying to think of something that doesn't make me look like a complete nerd. Um, Okay, here's one. Uh, I would say Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. Okay. That dude, you know, everybody loves to. I know if you're familiar with, well, it doesn't (laughs) matter. If you're not familiar with Game of Thrones, just go get something to eat. Um, Let's figure it but, out. Yeah, Jamie Lannister. Like everybody loves Tyrion, who's the you know who's the small person or whatever you're supposed to say uh, in the show. He's the uh, you know, and he's hilarious. And don't get me wrong, I love Tyrion, and he's great. But I don't know, man. Jamie Lannister. He's just he's the funniest dude in the room. You know, and and you, you know, I think the the show was great, and they put a lot of good lines in there. But man, they. Some of the some of the the banter back and forth between Jamie Lannister and the um and the like really big woman who like night woman who uh like captures him and he just makes fun of her the whole time and like they go back and forth and you know, it, it's the back and forth between those two. He's the funniest dude. Some of the funniest writing I've ever read. So that would be the guy.
0: I feel like that whole world would be both the most awesome and most terrifying place ever
1: yeah well i feel like any of those i mean i think honestly i think it's just kind of an honest approach to what it was like back in the day you know what i mean like in medieval days everybody's like oh be cool we'll go to you know like go to balls or whatever you know like hang out and go to dances and eat turkey off a leg it's like no you poop in a bucket and throw it in the street
0: <laughs> like yeah, you're three quarters of the way really to the county like fair there yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly there's no uh it's no walk in the park there's no medicine
0: everybody's short <laughs> <laughs> which is, that's perfect for me like send yeah. me back there yeah there you go turkey legs and go. short people i'll fit right in yeah yeah okay last question of the first four If you could have an unlimited supply of anything alcohol, tacos, Pepsi, guitar strings, scotch tape, whatever it is, other than money, what would it be? Mm,
1: Unlimited supply of. Well, I mean, it's tough. If you say, you could just say money, and then you could have anything that you want because you have an unlimited supply of money.
0: But I Um, feel like money's cheating.
1: That's kind of a jerk answer. And that's not my answer. Um, I don't know. Good songs to listen to. I feel like okay, I don't there
0: you go. I feel, like the, I
1: feel like I feel like, you know, and, and, you know, some of it is just laziness on my part, but sometimes I'm like, man, I feel like I've heard every good, good song there is, you know, whether, whether it's good songs to sing or good songs to listen to, you know, I don't know. I feel like ever I feel like everybody's like, overthinking it nowadays and it's like man just just a good old song you know like I mean lord knows uh, everything seems like everything's been done at this point so you know maybe that's maybe that's why but uh yeah
0: that's a a good answer for a question that typically gets answered with a a cereal preference (laughs) (laughs) lots of lucky charm cinnamon toast crunch style answers there
1: yeah i mean you know i mean there's there's lots of low-hanging fruit answers pineapple express that'd be nice to have in there you go you know uh but i mean what you know it's there's lots of things good coffee you know
0: Awesome, man. That was uh, that was the first four. So let's dive into the Adam Wakefield story now. Give us kind of the the quick Cliff Notes version of growing up and tell us how you first got into music.
1: Um, I grew up uh, in a kind of a... My parents were from the hippie generation, I guess you'd say. And so they just had a bunch of really good records when we were growing up and we would listen to... I remember listening to the record player in the kitchen we hung out a lot in the kitchen for some reason. I don't know why, <laughs> but we did. It was the worst tile ever. Well, it wasn't tile. It was the, linoleum the laminate. stuff. Laminate. Yes, yes. That's what exactly what it was. Um, but uh, yeah, we just sit around and listen to records. And, you know, it was a lot of like Crosby, Stills and Nash and James Taylor. And, um, you know, and just hopefully some little less pedestrian white people music, like some John <laughs> Lee Hooker or some, uh, you know. Um, they like jazz, some jazz stuff, too, you know, so like some Herbie Hancock or, um, you know, stuff like that. So we, and, uh, we just grew up that my mom sings and my dad played guitar and sang and neither of them do it professionally or um, dare I say proficiently. But, you know, they're, they're very musical. They love music. That's the thing. I think they just get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And so we all shared in that growing up.
0: Well, and you mentioned your mom a little bit, but she she had a pretty significant impact on uh, on your outlook, right? Like you mentioned, you know, they were kind of from that that hippie generation, and that kind of bled into everything she did, and then into your home life, right?
1: Uh, well, I mean, we were tree hugging hippie liberals and still are. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that's that's kind of how that works. Um, but uh yeah i mean uh, you know she's she was always very supportive uh you know of of the arts and my pursuit of music and um she used to you know she used to drive me to my you know everybody's got the same story i don't know why i'm telling it but you know she used <laughs> to try used to drive me an hour to, to you know every week to do my piano lessons with this guy because we we, li- we did live out in you know kind of in nowhere land um and uh yeah, man. She's, I mean, she, she's done everything, you know, she's, she's like the, you know, she does like the, the important mom stuff. Like, Hey, you haven't written your, uh, you know, your essay for the scholarship you're applying for, for music school, you know, go do it <laughs> like that <laughs> stuff, you know, that's the important stuff. And she made me do it.
0: Well, it, it seemed like it worked out because you came out of high school. You ended up in a, uh, jazz and contemporary arts program in New York city from there. What were your, what were your plans when you were heading off to school? Because I know they changed while you were at school, but what was the, uh, what was the ideal life for Adam Wakefield coming out of high school?
1: Uh, man, I don't know. I mean, I was, my brother was starting a band, um, and heading down to Dawsonville, Georgia, is a terrible idea but um that's where they picked apparently that's where the lead singer lived so when I graduated high school they were going down there to well actually beginning of senior year of high school they went down there and started a band and started doing their thing so my plan was to go down there and you know my parents didn't know but the plan was to go down there and join the band when I graduated high school um but unfortunately by the time uh I was done with high school the band had already kind of broken up and everybody moved back home and there was you know a lot of just shenanigans and i believe drug use going on and so i think everybody just decided to pack it in and come home <laughs> so uh by the time i graduated uh, i decided to just go to um uh, go to college and go to music school and i love jazz and I'm you know practicing it quite a bit in high school so Went and did a year at uh the new school, um contemporary arts, uh jazz contemporary arts program.
0: Well, and then you're you're quoted as saying that uh you just wanted to be in a band, play piano and get high. And then you just you ended up doing that. You ended up going out uh with your brother, moving to uh was it Baltimore? Uh-huh. And then started the the band Old Man Brown, and that kind of Gave you guys that first uh, kind of level of success. You were out touring and all of that. How cool was that to do? You know, just at, in general, but mostly with your brother and to have that kind of support in in a journey like that.
1: Uh, you know, I think the thing to, to take away from my time in Baltimore and and you know, uh, one, uh, you know, the amount of practicing and and growing I did as a as a player and as a singer and you know as a songwriter, uh, you know, it I was incredible and uh, you know that was really important but you know also the the experience when you're 20 22 whatever you know early 20s and you start a band and you go play I mean you know it's it doesn't matter whether you're playing for five people or You know, fifty thousand people. That's the best time. Like, you just have such a blast. Everything. You know, you're gonna be, you're gonna be famous. You're gonna have songs on the radio. You're gonna be Leonard Skinner. It's just the best time of your life. And that's what we were doing. I mean, we were playing. I remember we we our first gig. We played the Brass Monkey Saloon in Baltimore in Fells Point. I think we made thirty five bucks you know, and like uh, we played a set of music and man, it was the coolest thing ever. You know, if I could, if I could go back and recapture a little bit of that feeling that we had, you know,
0: that, you know, that high that you're always going to chase.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a good time. And, and uh, yeah, man. And now, uh, you know, I love my brother and and hanging out with him and and all, and honestly all my friends that I grew up with in high school. I mean, we all just kind of, everybody, Two kind of two separate age groups between my brother and me, but between the two of us and the people that we knew in our grades, we kind of found the music oriented people and, you know, put that band together. And it was just, you know, it was an absolute blast.
0: So you mentioned that you had you had played uh, piano, been in jazz. What was your role in the band? Were you a piano player?
1: Um. Yeah, I played keyboards and Delilah uh, writing and I did the singing. That was I ended up singing because I was kind of the only person who was, you know, I guess I was the most proficient on their instrument out of everybody in the band.
0: Uh, then adding singing, uh, that makes sense. You, you got that the first part mastered. How many different instruments do you play? Is it just the piano? Uh,
1: I mean, you know, I play the keyboard instruments like piano and I play Hammond organ as well. Um, and then... I'm a fair acoustic guitar player and um, you know, and uh, an overzealous drummer and bass player.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think this is a good time for us to kind of pivot and talk about your songwriting a little bit. We have a couple of songs for everybody here. Uh, Before we do that, I want to give everybody a chance to hear kind of what your sound is. Uh, We've got both of these songs are off of your most recent album, gods and ghosts. Uh, The first song that we have is called, Dry days, give everybody the story behind what inspired the song, and what the writing process was like.
1: Man, sorry, it's been a minute since I've heard these <laughs> <songs>. <laughs> uh, dry days. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, this is kind of a song about being broke. Um, you know, you do a lot of that being a musician, pretty much all you do, and uh, so uh, you know, it's just kind of uh i want i i think for me with this song i just kind of wanted to use some references to some things that are timeless you know like uh and throw some things in that we're gonna lose you know like i talked about talk about cable and like watching tv on a magnum box and like you know i don't know just i feel like we needed we needed one more song that had some references to things that were dying out so you know uh this was just kind of a it's just a grooving you know grooving little tune i came up with the with the lick and just was kind of grooving it out and sitting around one day plucking on it. And, I don't know, just kind of came out, came out pretty good. Solid tune, doesn't change the world or anything, but um, you know, man, it's got a good, good, uh, good, good feel to it.
0: Well, let's let everybody get into it. This one is called Dry Days by Adam Wakefield.
2: Back to the powder when the milk runs out, I'm all out of wet food for my old bloodhound. losing me so mean, he thinks it's all my fault. Ain't nothing to watch on the Magnavox the Summer I tied into the neighbor's box When they were away, but I just got caught It may do anymore with a little I've got I'm Living these try days, too tired to try days More I get sideways or high days to go down and change in your side days To fall in sky days Or just sit in the driveway And cry days to low down shame All of my spots turn me away They called on my tabs And I still got the no way to pay Drinking bargain wine taking a toll on my head Some mornings I feel just like Living these dry days, you tired to try days, order get sideways or high days, at the low down shame. You in your side days, you fall sky days, or just sit in the driveway. Falling sky days Or just sit in the driveway And cry days to low down shame
0: was called dry days from today's guest Adam Wakefield and Adam this is off of an album uh, that you put out in 2018 called gods and ghosts uh, there was five years ago we've gone through an entire pandemic so I'm sure that the memory of of what this was like to release this album is, is a little bit foggy but the best you can what was what was it like to put out this album and then see the reaction that this album uh, had gotten for you
1: um well, I mean, I put a Americana record out with a like mainstream, like almost hip hop country, hip hop it's called mm-hmm. uh, label. Um, so uh, you know, it was a very interesting um, experiment, and uh, it was fun. It was it was it was interesting. It was you know it was a hard process trying to do it because we didn't you know the label didn't know a whole lot of people in the americana world and uh, and so we kind of just had to reach out Me and um my manager amanda quinton and we kind of had to just reach out to different people and try and do our own work on the record but uh uh, you know i think it came out great and i love uh, the guy there's a guy over there Noah Gordon who does a lot of mixing and mastering and, and i got to work with him when we put this uh, put the tracks together and he just knocked it out of the park honestly i learned a lot from him and um, so it was, it was cool man i think it got good reception i mean we didn't have a lot of money to put behind it or anything so you know some folks heard it and um, you know i honestly when you put out art i think the most important thing really is how it's received by people that you respect and you know my buddies that i know <clears throat> that i respect all really seem to dig it so uh, you know i think I, I think i nailed it i i worked the had two these uh, this murray brothers these two guys scotty and john murray musicians in town one plays uh guitar the other one plays uh, and dobro and the other one plays bass and then darren dodd was on drums and those guys are just you know they're just solid creative dudes we just had a great time in the studio and it's nice to have some help from a label because i didn't have to worry about the money side so much and i just got to focus on the creative side which is you know how it's supposed to go down.
0: i feel like that's a lot of weight off of your shoulders i mean there's a lot of of uh talk about uh, among independent artists specifically about the negatives that come with signing with a record label but somewhere like Average Joe's, they they seem to just kind of let their artists do what they want. Is, is that kind of the experience that you had? It sort of sounds like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were, they were great. I mean, I think creatively, I didn't really feel all that um, stifled. It was more, you know, working with those guys. that just hadn't done it before. And, um, you know, I think the resources and the time it would have taken for that album to get a real shot in the Americana world, we just didn't really have you know i didn't have money or resources and i don't think they really did either i mean you know i think it was just kind of situation where we all just kind of did our best and and it did all right you know what i mean i mean i think you know a lot of i think what's nice about it is that there's still a lot of people listening to it like there's not a lot of drop off so it makes me feel good to know that you know a lot of those songs are withstanding the test of time i guess that's the important thing really
0: well, and it's really one of those albums that you can put on and just listen to on repeat. Uh, I say that from experience. I did that yesterday, uh, just as I was kind of prepping for our chat. Um, nice. I put it on and it just it just played in the background all day, and it let me get accustomed to your music. But it's also not one of those albums that you know has these these highs and low points that you have to kind of dig your way out of uh, emotionally. It all kind of wraps itself together really nicely, and I feel like a lot of your songwriting kind of comes across that way what is what does your writing process look like are, are you a pen and paper guy is it all on your phone do you have scheduled writing times or just kind of come to you
1: uh kind of all all of the above um you know i think uh i i find a you know either a song idea or a lick or something and um just try to you know Whatever, whatever thing it is that I've got, whether it's a cool rhythm, you know, rhythm part on a guitar or whether it's a cool set of chord changes or it's a cool hook to a song, whatever that is, I just start there and then build out from it. So it's a lyrical thing. Sometimes I'll sit down and just write some lyrics and not put any music to it. but Or if it's a groove, you know, I'm just sitting around, plunking around on the guitar. I'll just sit there and kind of hammer something out till I got a, you know, got a solid bass of something and then kind of move outward and kind of try and have a more objective view of how to build the song and um, and then also kind of like especially if I if I got a groove that I'm working on or something that I found then uh, you know a lot of times it uh, it's a matter of going through my notes on my phone and looking at the you know thousands of stupid things that I've written in there and hoping that one of them uh, you know, would be a good idea for whatever it is that I've got. I mean, my, my phone's generally full of, and I would think any songwriter's phone is, is generally full of notes. The notes section is just a whole bunch of um, ideas and, you know, good and bad, lots of bad in mine. And then, um, you know, and then on the, and then a bunch of voice memos of just sitting around playing grooves and stuff. And sometimes you just hope you can get two of those to connect, but, uh, um yeah so that's that really we try to listen to a lot of good songwriters and you know steal their stuff <laughs>
0: are, are you a guy that that writes alone most of the time or do you co-write or is it kind of a mix
1: um you know I don't know I, I, I kind of it's a mix of the two um you know some some people write together really well some people don't um you know some people like writing with me some people don't you know it's just uh it just is what it is and um you know so i think uh <laughs> when you write by yourself at least you don't have to be nervous that the other person doesn't like you so there's that
0: is- <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> Feel but, like that, uh, that lets the creative juices flow a little better
1: yeah you know i don't know and uh um and it just depends on you know kind of your style of co it's not even your style of writing it's your style of co-writing you know what i mean like people mm-hmm. write with other people differently so a lot of people just kind of you know, sit around and just kind of, you know, chat it up and talk about nothing and plunk around and just kind of like, you know, uh, just try and hope something falls out of the ether. And some people show up with a, you know, with an idea they want to flesh out and, you know, everything in between and just all depends on the vibe you get writing with other people. Um, you know, I do a lot of writing by myself. Um, you know, I it's tough when you come up with an idea for a song, and trying to figure out whether it's something you want to finish yourself or not, you know, uh, gods and ghosts is a good example of a song, um, where I started the song out and I had about half of it done. And I was like, you know, I was trying to think about whether I should bring somebody else in and to write on it with me, you know, and talk about some of their, you know, whiny shit. And, uh, too, as long <laughs> as well as with mine. And, um, and it got to a point where I was like, you know, kind of realized that the song was, strangely, was sticking to all the things that it lined up with in my life. Because most of the time, the songs it starts from somewhere honest, but then you start lying for the sake of the song, which is, you know, which is pretty standard, and you should do every time, as far as I'm concerned. But this just random one had happened to just kind of line up with my life, and I was like, all right, well, I guess I should probably just finish this one on my own because, uh, you know, then it'll just all be about my life and my stuff, you know?
0: Well, we've got another song here uh, for everybody to take a listen to. This one's called as good as it gets. And this was a co-write uh, with uh, Lucas Ebert. Walk us through this one. Uh, what was this one like as you were writing it and uh, where'd the inspiration come from?
1: Oh man, Lucas Ebert. Man, I need to call him and hang <laughs> out. I haven't <laughs> seen him in a long time. What a talented dude. Um, yeah. We went out, we uh, it was first, our first and only right. Uh, I don't know why really, but we, um, I I wrote out to his pad. He had some random cabin out in like Ashland city area or something and went in there. And, um, man, I'm, I'm trying that's one of those songs that did kind of just fall out of the ether. No, we didn't, I don't think anybody, we didn't have anything as far as like lyrically ready to go. We just kind of sat down and, um, started messing around with something. And he, I think he had this little groove that he was playing and we were like, we just liked the groove and we were like, well, what's, you know, what is this song going to be about? And we're like, well, not much. Cause it's pretty, pretty down home, simple groove. And we're like, all right, well, let's just start talking about some simple shit. And um, you know, and then strangely we just randomly pulled out of the air, you know, I'm all good. If this is as good as it gets, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't remember who came up with it. We just kind of sat down and we wrote it pretty quickly. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a good one, man. Those, those, you don't get those all the time. It was just kind of a layup from the universe. You don't always get them.
0: That's always nice to have though. Some, sometimes yep. you just need a little bit of help.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, yeah, let's let everybody take a listen to it. This one is called as good as it gets.
2: Dishwashers broke, but the dishes are clean Local TV stations playing on James Dean And the beer might be cheap, but it stays cold Ain't enough for a J, but I can pack a bone I get corn and beans once a week on the arm From Caitlin I the stand down at Perkins Farm And if the rain holds off, I'll take a walk into town Start to tap down at Chefs and see who's hanging around I might be that guy Time passes by and fortune forgets Oh, I'm just trying to get by With a little left over for some cigarettes Well, it ain't over yet It's all good. This is as good as it gets. I got a new girlfriend and an old guitar. Twice a week at the bar Playing cover songs For a beer and a tip I'd be just fine to carry on Like this cause I This is as good as it gets.
0: What was called as good as it gets from Adam Wakefield? And Adam, we've covered most of your journey here, but we've left out one pretty big milestone. Uh, and that is your appearance on season 10 of The Voice, which I think by now most people know you made it to the finale. But let's circle back to the beginning of that. Where were you asked to audition? It involves a pizza joint, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I was um singing in a bluegrass band at a place called Soulshine Pizza in Midtown. Uh, Nashville and um, one of the talent scouts or whatever heard uh, me singing from the it was outside so it was on a balcony area so he heard me singing from the street and came in and offered me an audition and I went and bought a cowboy hat and some boots and sang some country music and got on TV.
0: That's pretty straight to, to the point you, you <laughs> ended up in the uh... The live audition, you got uh, Adam to turn around right, right away, and then you had Blake turn around kind of right at the end. I know that whole moment's probably just a giant blur, but what was going through your head when you saw Adam turn and then when you saw the second chair turn later?
1: Uh, well, to be honest with you, they turn when you're playing the song. And so, I mean, really, uh, as much as I'm worried about who's going to turn their chair around, you're in front of millions of people on TV. So really, I was just focused on not messing up. <laughs> That's uh, fair so it was cool that they turned around and i you know i guess on some level i recognized it but really i was just wanting to make sure i didn't you know mess up this chord here or make sure i sing the right lyric there you know so um but you know once the song was over and i saw that they'd turned around it was, it was good man it was it was great it was a you know it's a, a relief that's for sure
0: <laughs> a relief that's probably a good word for it yeah yeah uh, and- and you stuck around for a while. What's uh is there a favorite moment that you can share from uh from the show?
1: Um like on TV, off TV? Just
0: just in general, like when you think back, what's what's your favorite moment of that whole experience?
1: Um I think uh you know, I think just being able to work with the other contestants and you know, I mean I say contestants, but you know, it's really more like other musicians and other singers that are there. Um, and just you get to hang around and and it's just a lot of good music going on, a lot of people helping each other out. You know, I think people have a misconception about those shows, like they're really competitive and maybe maybe they are sometimes. I don't know, but I know our group of folks, we all just hung out and supported each other and we'd sing our songs for each other and give each other, you know, like honest feedback about good the good and the bad. And, you know, I remember Um, you know, helping folks like write charts for songs for the bands and, um, you know, and and everybody just helped each other out. It was a great experience. And I met a lot of great friends from that show. And and, I mean, you know, I was just on the phone with uh, Nick Hagelin yesterday, who was on that on the season with me. So, you know, I met a couple of folks that are still around in my life now. So that's uh, obviously the big best takeaway from it
0: yeah I was gonna say I mean being able to bring people into your world from uh from the voice itself I feel like is is a bigger win than making it to the finale i mean that's pretty cool, but uh to improve your life with some new friends feels like a a big win
1: yeah well I mean once you get off the show there's there's really you know re- there isn't really anything you're gonna benefit from it, so it's like that's you true. know like um, go do some shows for about six months to a year, maybe get some corporate events or whatever and, you know, trick somebody into putting some money behind a record. Uh, but you know, like eventually, unless, unless he, you know, unless something else pops for you, you're just going to kind of go away like all the other contestants. So, you know, and I I think, uh, you know, focusing on the stuff that you know you can take away from it is more important, like the relationships and the people that you meet
0: definitely adam thank you so much for for jumping on here and being a part of this it's been it's been a great time but before we let you go we end every show kind of the same way we start it with uh four wrap-up questions you up for it
1: all right let's wrap it up it's time for the final four
0: okay first one pretty pretty simple what's your favorite uh piano or keyboard style or brand
1: like like the physical instrument itself, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think lately for me, it's been just been the Hammond organ. It's really just, uh, you know, it's a such a dynamic miracle of an instrument. It's the you know, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a uh, if you open up the back of an organ and look at the electronics involved with it it's like a time machine. It's, it's insane. And uh, fi- even finding people that know how to work on them is really hard. And so it's just such a um, unique and dynamic instrument. And there's a lot to learn about it. And it's so different than playing piano. And um, so and I've been had the opportunity to just play mine out a lot lately. And so it's just been, um, it's kind of been, whooping my ass a little bit but uh but in a good way you know i mean it's it's good it's a it's nice it's like a you know like a new guitar or girlfriend or something it's great it's like kind of a a new feeling back again you know
0: i love it okay question number two of the final four who are the three most recent artists that you've listened to
1: three most recent artists that i've listened to um uh, I'm trying to think. Uh I mean, lately I've been listening to a lot of Brad Meldow, who's a jazz, uh, you know, pianist and um composer who's really good, who's just kind of um he's just incredible. He's great. He's got kind of very not, you know, not kind of your not your straight ahead jazz guy, more just kind of outside of the box and, and kind of taking a lot of the I don't want to say jam band, but just kind of taking a lot of the um you know, stuff that's more in my world and incorporating it in. So it's easier to relate to for me. So I've been listening to, to him. Um, I, I love Lucas Nelson. He's great. Um, and listen to him a lot. Uh, uh, Brent Cobb's got a new record coming out. I've been listening to these songs as they come out and Brent's just always, he's just always good, man. The songs are always good. The production's always good. Um, and, you know, I don't know. So something about Brent Cobb is just like it's the, the thing that this world, the music world needs the most. When I listen to it, it's just, you know, there's no frills. I ain't trying to fool anybody, you know? So, yeah, I think those uh, those three will do it.
0: That's a good mix there. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Question number three. What's your favorite venue that you've ever played in?
1: Um, Favorite venue? I mean, i I mean, I would say the Ryman. I mean, you can't. It's tough to beat the Ryman. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just a cool spot.
0: And there's something it, magical about that. It's place. like it's like
1: playing in a cool old school, you know, like church barn, but with mm-hmm. good sound. You know,
0: so <laughs> that's the important part.
1: It's like the old. It's got that classic old feel without that crappy old sound.
0: <laughs> there you go. So
1: it's uh, yeah, the Ryman definitely. Okay.
0: That's a good answer. That's a That's good a answer. Yeah. Okay. Last question. If you could pick one thing for people to take away from your appearance on this show or from your music in general, what would it be? What's, what's the last thing you want to leave the people with?
1: I want to leave the people with uh, uh, currently in a band right now called Texas Hill. And uh, we're touring all over the place and playing great songs. It's, it's, we got some new music coming out um, in August. But yeah, Texas Hill music dot com. Uh, it's me, Casey James, who's great. Uh, so the guy, Bart Walker, who's just an incredible, like blues guitar player, singer, um, just joined the band. Uh, yeah. So we've been, you know, we're touring all over the place. We'll be in on the East coast this week and we'll be, uh, you know, heading to Texas next week. So, you know, come, come see us play, check out the music, you know, but really, I think that's where it starts. So just go to Texas Hill official and, or no Music.com. that's right check out some of the music especially the new stuff
0: awesome that's great i'm gonna head there as soon as we're done here adam thank you so much this has been a, uh, a blast yeah man thanks for having me yeah, and guys that was another episode of the tea party podcast it's the country music podcast where you find new friends and new music like adam wakefield and texas hill
2: go tee off on the like button at facebook.com slash tea party podcast this has been a Tea Party Communications production. Theme music created by Jesse Quant. Announcer voiceovers by Jay Gwynn. And as always, hosted by Ty Pisani.
1: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.